it could get really bad really fast. Oh God. Yeah. Sorry, Jesus. Really, really bad, really fast. Anyway, well, it's spring break, and uh, the kitties are about to go back to school. So chaos shall. Um, so, do you feel like you need a spring break from your spring break now? What do you think about senior break? Who? Yes. What's it what's it like being a father? <laughs> Do I have to answer that? Sidecar sidebar from where we were really going to go today. Right. It is uh everything that they write about. <laughs> so you just choose which book, which version, which chapter. Like the Dr. Seuss or yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what's your advice on being a dad? I tell the team, don't ever get married, don't ever have kids. Hey, I'm doing a good job. Hey, guys, we're I doing say a good that. Job. <clears throat> I say that with a little bit of light heart, but there's some truth to it too. There's a lot that one can do if one focuses on, you know, themselves or the world at large, or what they want to do. I mean, it's kind of hard to go trek the, you know, southern hemisphere if you've got four kids. I mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah, if you want to take four kids to South you know, South America or the Southern hemisphere of the globe and just right. trek around. You can obviously do that, but it, it has its challenges and it has its rewards. Yeah. So, uh, on spring break, uh, I understand you, uh, you fell, I fell, you fell all over again. Yeah. We took a, little, a romantic we way. T- we took, we took a little trip to the mountains to do some skiing and have some fun. <clears throat> and I didn't fall on the ski slope. I fell in the parking lot. Flat on my back. You're just like, I can't wait to get yeah, on was, that ice. And <laughs> it was the third day. So I'd been walking comfortably on, you know, frozen ground for quite a few days and then just right out from under me. So I got a little bruise and I have whiplash because I guess I jerked my head up in order to not hit my head. I jerked and somebody told me that the, the, the reason I didn't self-diagnose, somebody told me that. So I'm not walking around saying, I got whiplash. But, um, if you have a sore throat, that's a telltale sign. Really? You feel like you're getting sick, but you're really not getting sick. And so the evening after I fell, I literally, and I didn't know that. I was like, man, I'm getting sick. Oh, man, dang it, my throat hurts. And the next morning, my throat didn't hurt. I was like, oh, that's weird. And so the person that told me that said, did you have a sort of a sore throat feeling? These are telltale signs of whiplash. I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I did. You know, so um, it was interesting. The muscles were super tense. They're a little bit, I actually went to a therapist this morning and had some work done, so I'm feeling a lot better, a little more loose. Yeah. But, yeah, took a fall. So did you ski anymore after that? Did you tough no, it out? didn't okay. ski anymore after that, no. That, do you feel like that really ruined your spring break? No, it was, the, it, was the, it was the third day. The, the deal was, though, we didn't fly, we drove. So we had another seven hours broken up here and then seven hours. So it was a, quite a bit of driving afterwards, but heated seats, the glory of modern technology. You know, lower lumbar support, heated seats, and I made it. What's that like? If you Advil, what's that like <laughs> to have heated seats? Yeah. You just push a button. I'm driving a Kia that's in the body oh, shop right. right now. That's right. That's oh, I forgot right. to tell you how to wreck. So. No, you, you told me how to wreck. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, it wasn't like yours, Hunter. I still have my car. <laughs> but Yeah, Hunter's was a little bit worse than that. Well, I mean, that's kind of my thing. Like, how do I get out of my Kia and get into something with heated seats? <laughs> that's I, the topic for today? 
Well, I mean, like... I'm going to put that in the description notes. <laughs> How to get out of your Kia and into a vehicle with heated seats. <laughs> in this episode, 005. That's funny. It is five, too, isn't it? This is Cinco. Five, Episode six? Cinco. Yeah. We're that much closer to the martini. That's right. Can't wait. Um, how do you get out of your... Well, I guess one way you could get out of your Kia and into um, a vehicle with... Or else, how do I get out of my car without hurting myself? <laughs> <laughs> Therein lies the question and the challenge. Oh, uh, God. I can't believe that. I should have never told you guys. Anyway, um, so out of a Kia... First of all, let's just clarify a couple things. Your Kia, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is paid for. Recently, I just paid it off. Recently paid. So a big round of applause for the debt-free automobile. So Now it's just a credit card and I'm debt-free. Okay, that's a great, great segue. Uh, On the vehicle, of course, since it's paid for, you could just trek right down there and take it to the lot, whatever lot you choose, find a vehicle with heated seats and trade it in. Load up a bunch of debt, start making payments. Sure. And then just... Or I could probably lease it to you. You know, could lease it, and that and it, would be that would probably be a less smart move. Okay, but you could do both of those scenarios. And I guess either way, I'm not you know I'm not really getting a quick return on that. No, there's going to be no return on it because there's debt. Because there's debt, and a vehicle is not an investment. <laughs> you know, even though it's a vehicle, it is not an investment vehicle. <laughs> like you don't. Well, okay. It's what not if a means it, to a. What if you used it for like Uber? Then it would be a tool of your trade, and um, that would be questionable on whether or not taking on debt for something like that would be smart. Okay. You know, for, for me. Okay. So, I wouldn't advise you to do it. Okay. So right now, the best thing to do is just kind of sit on my car. I need to get my, my credit card paid off then. Yeah. So, you know, I really made, we talked to, you know, I know like, like six months ago, you kind of helped me go through with all my debts and what I still owed, and now it's just a credit card and um, you know, I hate to say that I've actually put more stuff on my credit card, but <laughs> probably Valentine's. It, yeah, my, it was it was well worth it. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Well, with the car and the heated seats, that was I was being a little facetious when I said you could take your vehicle that's paid for and run right down and load up some debt. Of course, we don't want to load up debt. That's like the right. opposite of the direction that you want to go, that I want to go, that I would direct anybody to go or or advise anybody to go. Right. right. So the fastest way to a vehicle with heated seats is not that way. I mean, that is the fastest meaning technique that you can go do, but it's right. the opposite of the philosophies that I want to adhere to and other people to adhere to. So it's not the fastest way for me or the people that I want to influence. So how would you say that I need to go buy a car? Well, I mean, first, I guess I need to pay my credit card debt off and not have debt yeah. before taking on more debt. Right. Because that's kind of the the plan to be debt-free and build wealth is to not accumulate more debt. It's more to accumulate more wealth. Right. I agree with that. So when you've got debt, like say I've got 3000 on my credit card and now I have this car payment that I was making that I can now put into my credit card Yeah. and any extra money that I have, you know, I can throw at that. Yeah. Here's the problem. So go ahead and be vulnerable <laughs> and confess okay. to the financial priest over here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I forgot to save up for a. Yeah, uh, it's something I don't know. The debt free. It's an F. We'll do a D and an F. <laughs> Keep going. I'm sorry. So I forgot to save up for an emergency fund. Okay. So my car is in the body shop. Insurance covered everything. Got to pay my deductible. It's five hundred dollars. 
Mm. That emergency fund would really have come in handy right now. Let me just do this right here. Everybody hear that? That is Murphy knocking at the door. <laughs> that is why you have an emergency fund. Because you can say, oh, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. We're rocking along. Nothing's going to happen. And then somebody pulls out in front of you or you pull out in front of somebody or you slip in a parking lot and fall. And the emergency fund is uh, is there for emergencies. And so, right. So yeah. now I'm so seeing you're feeling that. Yeah. I'm, I, with Five hundred dollars. That's a real world card. scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like it it's happening right now. It sucks, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So, I mean, what? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more people out there that probably if I told people what I paid for, to, to for my apartment, they would really be mad. Um, but there's people out there that you know are in a lot worse situations. They've got college loans. They have a mortgage. They mm-hmm. have um, <clears throat> they have heated seats. <laughs> They have heated seats. It's so, only at $695 a month, the heated seats, yeah. Yeah. So for people who are in a, in a deeper situation, like, I mean, how do you how do you get out of that? I know we've talked about it before, but how do you get out of that? And at the same time, you know, when do you know you're at the right place to make a new purchase? Yeah. Because I'm sure, like... Well, you okay, let me answer that in reverse. You know you're at the right place to make a purchase when you can walk into that place with cash or a check out of your checking account, or a debit card from your checking account, and you're done. Uh-huh. That's when you're in the right place. Okay. So if you can't do that, then you're not in the right place yet financially. Now, okay. what does that mean? How does that look when it, when it comes to buying a car or large ticket items? It's pretty, it's pretty daunting. It's pretty scary. It's a, it's a place that not a lot of people want to go because it takes an inordinate amount of time to get to that place. And most people aren't patient, as we've discussed in right. previous episodes. So what happens is they end up going and doing things that they shouldn't do or that they not shouldn't. Let me rephrase that. That they want to do in lieu of the long-term outcome and goal that they really want to reach, they do these short-term things. Mm-hmm. Now, I have no problem with someone going to college uh, for anything that they want to do. Further their education, that's great if that's, what, if that's your thing. I do think that the system in and of itself is somewhat broken, and I believe that there's a better way. There's probably a different way coming on the horizon. And if you're not going into something that's specific to the education you're getting, and you're generally just going for this or that, you're really going for more life experience and not really a career, and you kind of end up bouncing around or floating. Oh, yeah. I mean, like that was kind of for me. You know, it was I was going through college because that was kind of the thing that. Everybody was told to do. You got to have a college degree to do something. And, you know, it took me three and a half years to go to a two year junior college because I was having fun. But at the same time, you know, it it came to a point when I didn't know what I wanted to do. Sure. Just like I don't now. I'm still, you know, here we are 10 years later. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm trying to watch on TV (laughs) as our metaphor to analysis paralysis. Right. And, you know, finally, you know, my dad was like, just, Get a degree in something. Just get done. Yeah. So I got a degree in journalism, you know, focusing on public relations and advertising. Which is cool. Now, it's been awesome. It's helped me for all my comedy endeavors. Yeah. It's allowed me to be a better producer. It's allowed me to be a better director, and I can see things on a a large scale. Sure. But that's stuff I could have gotten by being an intern in an advertising agency. Yeah. You know, those are different things that I could have done of just freelancing and learning it all on my own or taking a summer course in yeah. Photoshop or, you know. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> and, and that's why, like, the beloved internship. There, I love it. And I know this is kind of like, 
it's usually me the one that's like asking advice, you know, and in here, I, I kind of want to say anybody's out there that's 10 years younger than me and you're wanting to be creative, quit waiting around for a freaking degree to do it and just go do it. Right. I totally agree with and that. And put the passion in, in front of your head, mm-hmm. you know, your passion. If you have your passion, you're going to have purpose, Yep. you know, and so follow that and just do the work, do the work, do the work as far as debt as well. You know, yeah. Circle it right back around to how, how do you make those large purchases? How do you get out from under the student loan? How do you get out from under the car debt? How do you dot dot dot? Little small bite sized pieces. We talked about this at a luncheon. One of the companies I'm involved in. We had a luncheon not too long ago. I think I might have even posted it on Insta. It was like you get out of debt by saying today's the day, and you do fifty bucks, and next yeah. week you do fifty more bucks, and next week you do fifty more bucks. The problem is that most people don't do the first, second, third, or tenth fifty bucks. And so $10,000 later, they've told themselves, oh, it's just a $50, it's just $50, it's just $50. And they could have made real progress had they just drawn a line in the sand and said, no, not today, it's $50 in the other direction. And they could have fixed that or course corrected it. But if you don't do the little things, they never add up. I'm a case study in doing the little things, and they added up. It took 20 years, but they added up, you know. And uh, it's still in that phase that I'm in in business where we do have business debt, but we go attack it all the time. Now, we're not using $50 increments. We're using much larger increments, but we're killing it. We're going after it. We're chip, chipping away at it, you know, um, with a battle axe, so to speak, just hammering at it, hammer it, hammer it. Every time we have a win, we say, what can we do with that capital? Well, maybe we bring somebody on the team. Maybe we do another endeavor. Maybe we buy some equipment, or maybe we just go plunk it down on that particular debt service and reamortize the note and drop the payment, drop our outflow, help our situation, save some interest. I mean, there's a lot of different mechanics to it. But the way that you get out of debt is you do it a little bit at a time. And you have a plan. Mm-hmm. A plan starts with a budget. I mean, there's no doubt everyone that inside my world knows I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan. I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan as far as the uh, budget goes, as far as the debt-free goes, as far as the baby steps go. I mean, he figured it out years ago. I'm not saying anything that that uh, is is uh, in opposition to what he teaches uh, in his programs and through his organization. Uh, my philosophies on borrowing are a little bit different because I, mean, I have a different platform. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, everything that we do is very calculated, very methodical. Um, so when, when we talk about being debt-free around here, um, it's, it's not generalities. There are some specifics to it. Vehicles is one of them. We don't buy furniture for the office. We don't buy new computers. We don't buy new equipment if we can't pay cash. Yeah. So those are those are things that we do and operate as a business. But I don't own you know millions of dollars in real estate, and and that's all debt free. That's right. not realistic right now. Um, <clears throat> is it realistic in the future? Sure. Twenty years from now, of course. Um, Ten, sure. Five, possibly. Do we have some assets that are paid for? Yes. Asset counter. Asset counter, yeah. He'll do a ding every time I say it. Yeah, that'll Hashtag be funny. Let's do that. Counter. That'll be so funny. How did we get there? $50 at a time as a metaphor, right? Right. And so if you want the car that has the heated seats, you do it 50 bucks at a time. Um, so you, you come up with a plan. You come up with a budget. You work your, your income to your budget. And then if there's deficit, you have to go earn more money. Picking up cans. Or delivering pizza. Dave likes to throw that one out a lot. Go deliver pizzas on the weekends, you know. The problem is that most people don't want to do the extra work. They just want to do the work they're at. And it's it can be mentally depressing to try to attack it. And you look at it and it seems insurmountable. 
Yeah. I mean, you look at it and you go, I have $150,000 in student loans. How am I ever going to get out of that? 50 bucks at a time and working your ass off. That's how you do well, it. Well, and I think too, I think it, how do you do that? But life still goes on, you know? Like say you've got an amazing girlfriend that you want to take her out to dinner. So it's really easy to go, okay, I've got this 50 bucks that I've saved up for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Here's a nice $150 meal. We can go to, to like a, a nice establishment, like an Olive Garden, and we can, <laughs> you know, we can have like the tour of Italy and a right. glass of wine. Right. You know, of course, it's not going to be 150 bucks. But right, right, You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if I'm going to like just Depending really... on what wine you get selected, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, like barefoot, you know. So how, to... how, how do you defer your gratification is what you just asked? I me. mean, like, how do you... <laughs> That's it. Can you, can you have a plan, but still have plan of course. to have fun? Of course. Of course you can. So I You guess... put it on the... Okay, so I have a household budget for my family. Okay. My family, my personal family, my kids and my wife. We have a cash budget every single month, and we look at it once a year. We, we've been doing it now enough years, almost 10 years, that that we get it. I mean, my wife has an envelope system. It's right. an accordion folder, and it's got cash <clears throat> in it. And she thumbs through there and pulls some cash out when we get ready to go dining out, eat right. out. And when she goes to that dining out slot and it's empty, guess what we don't do? Stop. You, don't, you don't get hungry. You, we don't starving. go out and eat. <laughs> Now, can we, knowing that it's towards, and that usually happens around the end of the month, can we, in our position, because of our discipline and because of our successes, go out to eat, swipe the card, and pay it off? Or if it's a debit card, which it typically would be, of course we can, because there's money in the bank, because we've planned ahead. Can we go on a vacation? Of course we can, because we've pulled money out of the monthly budget. We put it over here in this other account that's vacation. And when the vacation comes along, move the money back, pay the bill, it's done. So it's just planning. So when people hear the word budget, they freak out. They go, oh my gosh, I can't have a budget. I can't live on a budget. Dude, a budget is just an Excel spreadsheet, a big chief notebook with a pencil, whatever you want it to be. And I just threw myself way back in the decades <laughs> by saying big chief. Give me a shout out if you know what big chief is. And then if you don't, eBay it or Google it. You'll or, in, see. or in like two minutes, we're going to subliminally throw it up. Yeah, on we'll our... throw it up there. Big chief. They're so awesome. Anyway, that's um, how I learned to write my ABCs. <laughs> So the budget. correction for those who are uh, my age, this is not Big Chief Chew. This is Big Chief Notebooks. That was Big Red. Oh, okay. <laughs> Big Red or Red Man? Big Red. Mm. Red Man. Big League Chew. I don't Red chew. Man. Big we League Chew. We just <laughs> we just went off the reservation. Anyway, so so back to the budget. The budget can be anything you want it to be. All right. So if, if it starts with housing, it goes down to automobile or transportation which doesn't necessarily mean automobile for everyone. If you live in a metropolitan area, you do not need a car. True. If you're within walking distance of your uh, of your employment or your school or whatever, you, you don't need a vehicle. Um, with public transit and Uber today, I mean... Bicycles. Bicycles. Hell, walking, for oh, goodness yeah, sake, right? Yeah. There's that. There's the two. Yeah. Anyway, so you've got housing, transportation, food, then utilities. <laughs> Like there's been some situations in my lifetime where I um, had not enough money for a light bill and the lights got cut off, but I still had food. I had peanut butter and jelly and eggs or something like that. So you just budget. You put what's on the budget, what's most important to you. You work down through the list. And if second under food is date night, then you better put date night on your budget. 
and then light bill, and then the water yeah. bill, and water probably first so you can at least shower before you go out on your date. But you see yeah. my point? Yeah. Like you, you set the hierarchy of the data in the budget. Okay. So you build it out. So if Twinkies is seventh on the list and you need a box of Twinkies a week, now I think- Cooney would kill me. Cooney would kill you. But what I'm saying is it's not so restrictive that you're like, if you want to have a glass of wine every night, then it needs to be on your budget. Right. Okay. A but, glass of wine every night, that's four four glasses to a bottle, roughly, depending on how you pour. And so what's two two bottles a week? Or you Almost. get one of those cheap box of wine. Or you can buy a box. You know? The point is, you build the budget out, so it's not like this. Most people go, they'll get a, oh, I'm going to do a budget. They'll Google a budget, and they'll pop, it'll pop up and have all these very adult, responsible things on it, like life insurance and you know disability insurance. And they go, oh, oh, I can't plan for all of that. It's, oh, it's too much pressure, right? It's too much pressure. Well, the problem is you just scratch through that and write wine. You scratch through the next one and write pizza. You scratch through the next one and you put fill in the blank, whatever it needs to be. So if you get down to the bottom of your budget and there's $100 left over after you've allocated everything, you need to re-budget. And that $100 needs to inject itself into the budget because savings should be a line item. Debt service should be a line item. You know, uh, vacation should be a line item, whatever the, that you need to survive. Now, if you get down to the bottom and you're 300 short, you got to go back through that list and X some things off or reduce the budgets. So are you saying that even if you have your, even if you've made your $1,000 emergency fund savings, yep. even while you're doing your budget and while you're paying off debt, you should still be putting money in savings? No. Not okay. savings like you're talking about. Like a savings, savings account. A savings account, no. Okay. You should get your $1,000 emergency fund and bury it in the backyard in a tin can or a concrete block or something so that it is untouchable. I don't even like leaving it. Like I don't literally have that anymore. I have an emergency fund, but it's not $1,000. It's three to six months operating. Yeah. It's usually six. We try to err on the side of six. Okay. My goal as an entrepreneur and business operator is a one-year emergency fund at the corporate level, not at the personal level. So you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's so if something happens, you can take care I of it. I can run this company and this family right. of companies for right. a, a one full year without missing a beat. We can ride the storm. Right now, three to six months. Personally, six months. So on the flip side of that, though, when someone's saving for that emergency fund, like you needed for your deductible for your insurance, right. thankfully you had insurance. Right. Some people who aren't on a budget don't have insurance, right? Right. Thankfully, you, you did have it, and it was in place, and it's good. Um, but the emergency fund, if you had a thousand bucks setting aside, you could have grabbed five hundred bucks, given it to the, given it to the um, insurance company, immediately pushed pause on any other savings contributions, which you shouldn't be doing until your credit cards paid off anyway. But let's just hypothetically say your credit cards were paid off. You push pause. You build that other five hundred back to get to a thousand. Then you go back to attacking the credit cards. Right. Okay. Because the emergency fund supersedes everything right off the bat because you have to have money for emergencies. Right. So once that's knocked out, though, then you go attack the debt, attack the debt. So when your car got paid off, if you're, I think your car payment was ridiculously low, like a hundred and something dollars. (laughs) No, that was my insurance. 268 was my car payment. Okay. 260. That's some people's bike payments, like on those fancy, you know, mountain bikes that are eight grand. Some people pay that for a bike. That's working too hard to ride that fancy. So, so if you had immediately turned around, stuck to the budget, taken that $268 and thrown it on your credit card, however many months ago that was, you might have actually been out of debt 100%. I'm just hypothesizing. True, true. Okay, so because of the situation that I'm in right now, 
when it comes like strategies to paying off a credit card. Okay. There are a lot of, and I'm just going to, let me talk this out there real quick. There are a lot of credit cards out there that when you first sign up, you got a lot of cool rewards. (laughs) Now I've already called and I've asked for my interest rate to be lowered. I think it's around 14 right now from like 18 or 20. Yeah. Okay. So there are 0% transfer fees that you can do onto another credit card with a lower interest rate. Do you recommend doing that? No. I've okay. done it. Okay. Oh, God, people are going to hate me when I say some of the truths that I've lived. But those those are introductory offers mm-hmm. to get you in the door. Right. Right? Usually, if you look at the fine print, those once those introductory rates are gone, they go up. And most often more than what you're – I mean, like a 13 14% interest rate right now, that sounds low to me. Right. I wouldn't move that at all. I would just attack it till it was gone. Yeah. Now – have I done balance transfers? Of course. If you notice, there's always a balance transfer fee. There's an associated fee with that move. So it's six, seven, eight hundred bucks. So they clip you from day one. Then if you rock along, the problem is you rock along and they're counting on your irresponsibility to rock along several months, several months, several months, 18 months, whatever the term is. And then you, oh, well, I didn't get it all paid off. And then they go 24.99%. Yeah. And then they hammer your ass, right? That's what they're banking on. Now, the reward program part of it is hilarious because the rewards themselves are the, the what, what am I trying to say, the word I'm looking for? The penalties for everyone else become your rewards. That, that money doesn't just make itself out of thin air. Right. But because of the penalties and the interests and all the other people out there that are being irresponsible and, and nothing that's, against oh, those people. Oh, that's cool. You follow me? Yeah. They're so, losing and you're winning on the rewards. Well, and that's, that is one. Because so the, the credit card company is yeah. like giving you the money. So it's I've, not like coming out of their savings. It's right. coming out of someone else's payments. And, and that the, the reward system is built on the excess in the system, which is, and they're rewarding you for being responsible, right? That's yeah. cool. I get it. But the problem is that somebody else is losing and you're winning off of that. Now, you're winning because of your responsibility, because of you being responsible. I get it. So you can't just say, well, you know, those people are being hurt and I'm being helped. Although that is kind of the system. That's where the money, that's where the excess money comes from. That's where the profit comes from. If everyone that had a credit card paid their balance every month, the credit card companies would go out of business. Yeah. Well, they make fees, but the fees right. aren't enough. 2%, 3%, 4% on transactions based on the number of transactions and what company it was and the the cost, you know, the the size of the transaction, et cetera. I get it. But I mean, if you knew, if you knew how many fees, millions and hundreds of millions of dollars were paid in late fees every month, it would make you sick. I mean, just local small community banks collect millions of dollars a year, a year in bounce check fees. Can you imagine what the credit card companies collect? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, so, I mean, so then there are reasons why it is good to have a credit card if you're responsible with it. If you want to have a credit card because you're responsible and you, you... Like, what if you use it just to pay gas? Like, you're sure. budgeting this much for gas. Yep. And instead of just, you know, you don't want to have to deal with the hassle of having to go into the gas station and give them, here's 20 bucks. Yep. You could... You know, you know what's going to cost you, you to fill up your car. You can certainly do that if you are responsible enough to take care of your own debt service, and then you're getting rewards. 
because you're paying that off, but then also other people's ignorant, not ignorance, but irresponsibilities yeah. are allowing you to have more perks of being responsible. Yeah, if you want to look at it like that. So, so I'm not anti-credit card. I'm anti-debt. Okay. Right? If you're responsible enough with your credit card and you want to swipe it and get the rewards, go for it. Um, the majority, and I will say that we do have some corporate credit cards. Uh, that we use because it's there's some securities there that that we rely on and it may be bogus philosophy internally but there are some corporate um and with fraud being such a big deal these days there's some corporate things around the credit card use that is for us is just a little bit more not convenient but secure as opposed to a business debit card a business debit card is a lot less secure than a personal debit card uh-huh. If you go to the Visa and MasterCard website and you read all the fraud protections, it sounds great. I'm drooling over it. Until it gets to the bottom, there's a little double asterisk and it says, oh, except for business transactions. So it's very risky to use. If your business card for your debit bank, if your business debit card on your bank account gets compromised, it's a whole lot more serious than if your personal one gets compromised, right? Right. Okay, that's what I'm trying to lay the groundwork for. So corporately, we do have some cards that we use, but we pay them off every month. So I have zero problem with you having a credit card as an individual, racking up debt, paying it off every month. Don't like it. Not best case scenario, but I understand some people want to do it. And I understand why. Because I guess you can also build credit that way too. Of course you can. But you can also build credit just by being responsible and paying your light bill. You know, Because if you don't pay your light bill, they're going to ding your credit. I mean, the the electricity company is going to hit you up. Um, But... To not get way too far off on a tangent of credit cards, just kind of circle it all back to debt. The, the philosophy is to to attempt to and live in a manner in which you create no debt, right? Not on a weekly basis, not on a monthly basis, not at all. That's very difficult for most people because it's first a responsibility issue, then it's an income issue. Right. Because most people aren't happy where they are at their income level. Right. So they're never going to be able to reach this point here because they continue to rack up debt to try to live like they're here instead of over here saving, 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 working towards this goal, doing a little bit of this extra, doing a little bit of that extra. Um, Chris Hogan has a new book out. He's one of personalities with Ramsey Solutions. It's called uh, Everyday Millionaires. And it's literally all about how you go from just being an average person to being a millionaire. Not in 10 months, not even in 10 years, but it's a path, and it's a storyline, and it's you know it's it's just it, it's how to get to that point yeah. without really compromising. The problem mm-hmm. is, and I'm the same way sometimes. I want it. I want it right now. Right. And so you live like you're here, but you're really here, and so you can never get up past that ceiling of debt to move on to the next level of things, and or you're not willing to do the work extra. You know, have two jobs, have three jobs, whatever. Um, some and everybody's scenario is different. You know, some people have kids, some people don't. Some people are married, some people aren't. I get it. Um, I just want as many people as possible to be debt-free and to be responsible with their funding because then you can, you're really free. It's not called debt-free for a reason, for, for no reason. It's free. Like, you're free. Right. You don't feel the weight of that debt. It is an amazing feeling. When I get in my vehicle and I drive, I never wonder, oh, man, i got to make that payment next week. It's taken me years to get to that point, 
But, you know, I've bought three or four vehicles that way now. My wife's vehicle's that way now and other secondary vehicles and equipment for the company and things like that. So um, it doesn't happen overnight. And Well, and I guess, too, let me let me do a little uh, a little teaser, mm-hmm. if you will, of I know we want to talk eventually. We're going to talk about your origin mm-hmm. and how you became Senior Verde, <laughs> the man, the legend. And uh, goodness. so... I guess Ooh. let's let's time travel back a little bit just to get a little piece of that to give us a little taste of what what that's like. You know, tell me about the first year of you going through to become debt free. Wow. Okay. Like, what was yeah. hard? What was what was different? What what was the first thing you knew you had to do to live like the one percent? So it didn't. So that's hilarious because technically, I believe technically I am somewhere in the one to two percent, but I don't feel like it. Like, that is such a myth. Most people don't even realize how low of an income that actually is to be in that number. Um, and then there's years when I'm, you know, not in that percent. Because <laughs> it's, it's real estate. We're, we ebb and flow. Businesses make money. Businesses lose money. It's just the way it goes. So you're not always on top. Um, but a little bit of that story, and, and I'll say that I am not debt-free today. Period. Full stop. Personally, Maybe. Not going to disclose that altogether. Right. Corporately, not a chance. But the the point is, since March of 2011, and I'll tell you why I know that in just a second. Since March of 2011, after playing around with it for 2007, 8, 9, and 10, going through some really rough times when the market uh, on mm-hmm. the real estate side and the, the whole loan bubble and mm-hmm. all that, and we'll talk about that someday in the future because those were hard, hard times. Um you know, coming out of that in 2000, March of 2011, I put a stake in the ground and I said, no more. And we just started sacrificing. It sucked for a long time. Um, we started selling off assets, big, small, taking the proceeds, paying off other assets, selling those, taking the money, paying off debts. And so it was just a progressive um, situation. And so I have a debt snowball. Now, for any people out there that follow Dave Ramsey, you know exactly what a debt snowball is. And it is not a list of your debts as much as it's a list of your debts in smallest to largest, mm-hmm. which makes it a snowball. Because as you knock out the little ones, the little ones snowball up as long as you continue to make those payments into the next one, into the next one, into the next one, until you're, you're killing them and, and knocking them all out. So my debt snowball at that point in 2011 had like, I don't know, 28 things on it in a smallest to largest view on an Excel spreadsheet. The first month was very rudimentary. It was just what the in, what the asset was, what the debt was. Started here. I, I think the smallest was eleven thousand dollars, and the largest was somewhere in the six or seven hundred thousand range. And there were about twenty eight of them. So do the math. There was a bunch. Um, so we just started doing one at a time. Well, we sold that one, and then we stopped making that payment, and made it on the next one, and stopped making that payment, made it on the next one, sold, 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 you know, and, and moved on through it. But as I added assets. And we'll discuss those at another time, I'm sure. Um, I added those in a different color of font for the spreadsheet. Everything's color-coded. It's very elaborate. My staff accountant looks at it sometimes. She says, this is so colorful, you know, because it's just like a box of uh, Fruit Loops. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But it helps me keep track of old things, new things, and all that, all that's going on. Uh, there's a lot of internal strategy and creativeness that I like to put into that. Um but, you know, here it is, March of 2019. I'm eight years in. Now, 
the oldest debts are all in black because that's what the spreadsheet started out as. All the newest debts are in orange, and there's very little black on our snowball after eight years. Wow. So had I not taken on any other assets or debt based on the corporate side of things that I do, there would be no debts left in eight years. Eight years. I would have gone from 40, from 38 years old to 46 years old and be virtually debt-free within a couple of months, if not already, because of the way it's structured. Um, so eight years, guys. And we're talking about... A couple of million bucks. Now, does that include like also like planning for your kids' college? No. Okay. No. I'm 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 not a planner for things like college, and we can get into that later. Yeah. I have some other internal plans uh, corporately, and some other strategies that are, revolve around that. And it's not so much because I'm disciplined and because I'm financially savvy, and because I'm in the real estate industry. I have some other things that are earmarked as quote-unquote, college funding for my children. Gotcha. Those would be assets that we own that eventually will be debt-free. They'll throw off cash. They'll pay as they go, right? Right. If they go at all. So, I mean, really the goal— If they go at all. Right. Underscore, underscore. Yeah. Yeah. Asterisk, asterisk. Boom, boom. Yeah, because I really—I mean, I think that that out of my four children, I think most of them are wired like me as far as the go-getter mentality. Um, I know that my daughter is going to be a super powerhouse salesperson of some sort— within our organization. She still may be a baker, which is her little dream too. Um, but at the same time, I want them to be who they want to be. If they want to be physicians, then I got to pony up. Right. Help them out. Right. Right. But at the same time, I, I'm going to hopefully teach them as an entrepreneur, how to create income, how to make money, how to do that. And if they choose college, cool. If they don't, cool. But these assets are sitting over here to self fund that as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about the debt snowball. The debt snowball is ongoing. We update it at least once a quarter, if not once a month. I look at it. Another cool thing about it is it's a really fast snapshot where I can pull it up literally on my phone and go, oh, wow, that's cool. I forgot about that thing. Or I wonder if I sold that asset, how much I could generate to do this deal over here. What do I owe on that? Boom, pull it up. Oh, I owe that much? Okay, ooh, yeah, that probably wouldn't yield as much as I think it would. So it's a it's something... It's an information um, tool that's out there for me every single day of everyday decision making. Right. So because it's updated and it's current, I'm not wondering. Because when you've got as much going on as we do, you don't know what you owe on that or this or that. You have a general sense because you have a grasp of your, you know, your accounting. Hopefully, as a business owner, <clears throat> and um, you can do it like that. But it's a it's a great source. So that's where it starts as far as the debt free, you know, and then you just put it all on paper and you attack it. So I know like you can either do it like, you know, you may have a yearly salary broken down into months and then in each month you may, a lot of people get paid biweekly yeah. or they get paid weekly or yeah. they may get paid once a month. So I guess you know, if they get paid once a month, it makes it a little easier to break it out for that whole month. But if you're say your situation, like, like my company pays me once a week. So do you have to look at it like, okay, this is how I'm going to break this down each paycheck? Of course. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure that, you're, you know, like if I get paid, usually like my rent's due on the first. So my last paycheck of the month is going to go, majority of that's going to go to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. So I know the next paycheck, I, if I don't have any bills in that cycle, that next couple of weeks, then I've got that money to throw at my credit card. Right. Now, see, I would just, you're taking it week by week instead of planning by the month and then taking the money that comes in and breaking it down by the week. And I'll explain that. Okay. So if you need $2,000 a month to survive and you get paid... 
$500 a week. That's 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000. That math computes, right? It's exactly what you need to survive. Uh-huh. So, but the first week you only need $350. And then the second week you need $925. And the third week you need $250. And the fourth week, figure it out, whatever the last, last little portion is. You don't take that money that comes in because you're going to be short because your money goes like this. The need goes like this as the bills come in up and down, right? So what you do is you take your rent divided by four paychecks. You pull a little bit out of all four weeks and on the first, all the money's there. So that last oh, paycheck okay. isn't paying the rent. Every paycheck did its fair share. Same okay. way with the car payment, same way with your credit card debt, same way with your mm-hmm. light bill. If your light bill is $80 a month, then it's $20 a week, right? Mm-hmm. Water bill's $40 a month, $10 a week. You pull that money out on a weekly basis. Every single pay period, you allocate, allocate, allocate. So it's okay if you get paid once a month. It's really it's okay if you get paid on commission. So if you're a commission salesperson and you're out there wondering, well, how do I do a budget? Last month I made two grand, this month I'll make 10. What's the average? Six. You live on six. And then you go for three or four months, you go, well, I had a, I sold some more cars or I sold some more stuff and now I'm averaging eight. Well, raise your budget to eight. Well, now I'm not selling as much, it's four. Well, lower it to four. And so you can do that incrementally as the money comes in, you just average it. You don't. So if you, so if you made 4,000 one month and 10,000 the next because you're in commission sales, you average that out, and that's how much you have to take out of every week's compensation, and you just break it down. The more you can break it down, I think the better, because the more controlled you are over your expenses. So are you saying that you need to basically take, you know, you've got this envelope for rent, yeah, and you need to basically take out I am. X amount <laughs> each week yes. until you have that amount to pay, so then you just deposit it back in the bank in case you're paying through, like, an online feature? Yes. Okay. Deposit it back in the bank or leave it there and earmark it and know that it's in your bank account yeah. and know that it's I, gone. I feel like the world was a lot easier when you actually had to balance a checkbook with a pen and paper. So I think, <laughs> good God, I agree. <laughs> but the point, the big the, chief all these conveniences are there for a re- and they're, they're very helpful. But if you're not disciplined to follow the electronic version of budgeting, then by all means, cash your freaking check and put it in an envelope. Yeah, or an accordion file. Everybody should know what an accordion file is. Go look it up if you don't. And you you open them up, and it says A B C D E F G all the way through the alphabet, and or it's A through D, and then E through H or whatever. And all you do is you can turn that folder around, and they're blank on the back side. If you look at the tab, it's blank on the other side. Or you can just get a sharpie pen or white out or whatever, a piece of masking tape as rudimentary as you want to make it. And write rent. On the next one, uh-huh. write car. On the next one, write dining. On the next one, write whatever's important to you. Tennis lessons, pizza. I don't know. Yeah. And then you shove that money in that accordion file. And there should be 12 to 15. There you go. Yeah, get a shot of that. We'll do a screenshot of that. So you pull one of those up, and that one looks a little large. They have them that are pocket size, you know, probably oh, 10 or 11 inches wide by, you know, three or four inches tall. Um and you use that to put the cash in. Now you've got a cash budget. You're pulling out the money. So when the rent comes due on the first of the month, you should open that accordion up, open that slot, and there's all the money for rent. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. So that's how you do it. Awesome. Bite-sized pieces. All right. A lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. I'm just thankful that all I have left is my credit card debt. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, we're going to get you out of that pretty soon. Uh, let's today is March fifteenth. Yeah, well, let's, let's hold it accountable. Why don't you know we're doing today this is March fifteenth. March fifteenth. Now, if you want to be extremely transparent and round up or down to the nearest one hundred five hundred dollars, thirty two hundred dollars. Okay, he said thirty two hundred folks. Okay, so here's the deal: thirty two hundred on March fifteenth. Uh huh. When we get off, air, when we're done recording, we'll look at what that looks like from an income standpoint, and we'll bite size that into little bitty weekly pieces, and we'll set a date on the calendar, and we're going to get you out of debt. Sounds great. I, it's totally doable. We'll use you as a case study. You'll Absolutely. be, the, you know, and say, "Hey, it works," and this is how it worked. And then you can tell everybody how it felt. It sucked. It didn't suck. I didn't get to go out that night, or uh, had to drink yeah. less beer. Right. Whatever. Yeah. I think that'll be great, man. What a real world experience we're putting out here for people. Absolutely. So again, uh, debt is horrible. You don't want to do it. Right. You want to stay out of it as long as you can. If you're young out there listening, stay out of it as much as you can. Don't take that offer. When you're walking across campus and they say, hey, would you like to sign up for a credit card? You get a cool T-shirt. Just think, no, thanks. That's all you got to remember. No, thanks. Or no, gracias. Or whatever you want to say. You know, Get the hell away from me. Um, because that's, that's just not smart. Um, and I'm speaking from experience. I used to play the balance transfer game. You know, mm-hmm. I used to use those credit cards and all those systems to my advantage because I was responsible for the most part. Um, but I can tell you some stories in the future that will blow your mind um, when you really sit back, when you exercise those means mm-hmm. as long as I did for a season uh, and you you sit down one day and you I wonder how much interest did I pay that company? Mm-hmm. And you go, well, I had it. You do the math, and you go, oh, wow, that's a car with heated seats. Mm-hmm. That sucks. That sucks. And when you really grasp the longevity of that debt service and what it really costs, and you can literally look at that on paper like I did and go, holy shit, that's a car with heated seats. And we're talking about a thirty-five dollars to $40,000 car probably. I don't know the current market. Right. But that would be about the price point, I would think. It was more than that. One card that I played games with for years, right? One credit card company. That's a big deal. Then when you go, oh, well, that loan on that asset and that house or that boat or you keep adding all that up, dude, it's millions of dollars one pays over their lifetime in interest for the service of being able to make installment payments for something that if they'd have just planned differently, they probably could have had some version of it without paying all that interest or without paying right. those penalties and those fees and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Whew, hope it's been helpful because I have, uh, I've gone back today in my memory of different errors and omissions and things that have caused me to trip up over the, the years that I've been in business. And I'm, I'm going to jot them down when we're done today. And then we're going to go back and, Oh and yeah, we're circle gonna, back around we're to gonna, them. We're gonna have to go back to all. I, those. I know because today you were interested in talking about assets, and I've probably thrown that word out a couple of times today. Um, we'll get Haas to actually count it and throw it up there on the screen so everybody can see. It was eighteen times. The asset counter. Asset counter. Yeah, <laughs> he'll do a ding every time I say it. Yeah, that'll Hashtag be funny. Asset Let's do that. Counter. That'll be so funny. Um, but the point of it is, is when we talk about assets, uh, because you've you've engaged a couple of times about it, and you've read some books, and you've talked to some people, and and we're going to get deep into that, but you know, assets are things that that bring you money that don't they don't take money, right? Um, and some of those may have debt service attached to them, but they don't necessarily uh, they're not bad things. And so we'll talk about the difference in debt and debt service, 
uh, in another another episode. But I'm gonna, unless you got something, I'm thinking that we we covered some serious ground today. We did. You did say something that stuck out for Uh-oh. me. What's your favorite cereal? <laughs> you, honest to God, is my favorite loops? cereal. No, is grape nuts. It's the crunchiest, crunchy, bland. Grape nut people, I love you. Don't ever stop making so, it. Are you, do you have a retirement plan <laughs> for grape nuts? <laughs> oh, someday I'll buy that company and make it awesome. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's probably are you gonna put somewhere. better nuts in there? No, there's no nuts at all. It's just grain. It's grains. I don't know what it is really. I have really oh, no idea what it is. Okay, it's just so good. More fun question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> grape nuts. Not as bland. Uh, so, what song did your kids want to listen to over and over on your trip to Colorado? Well, or are they watching movies the whole time? Yeah, we we didn't do songs. We did movies, and we did. What's every... it like to have a movie theater in your car? <sighs> a movie theater seats. I'm, I'm going with the <laughs> the movie cinema in my car. That's so funny. <laughs> movie theater. Uh, yeah, we watched movies. We we did a little bit of music, but not a bunch. Okay, uh, there weren't very, very many sing alongs. Okay, I feel like I'm I'm like I'm kind of striking out almost. <laughs> Greatest guitar player of all time. Oh, I've got man. mine. Greatest guitar player of all time? Man. Mm. I mean, it'd be cliche to say Hendrix, but I mean, he was incredible. Um, I, I was a big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan because okay. he came up, you know, uh, in the Metroplex area. I believe he was from Fort Worth, if I'm not mistaken. Just a guy who came up, you know, and did his thing, died way too soon. Um, he was good. There's so many others. Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton. I mean, God. We're throwing out there. Uh-oh, what do you got? Prince. Prince was an incredible guitar player. People don't think about that. No, 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 he was. They don't he think was about a very it. accomplished musician and guitar player. Everybody listening out there, go watch on YouTube the cover of My Guitar Gently Weeps mm. from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame oh, that features right. Tom Petty singing right. and Prince on the guitar. One of the sickest guitar solos you'll ever see in your life. Nice. I so, have not seen that clip. I will go watch that right I after I think this. we're going to have to watch this right now. I think you we'll turn it. it on right now. So, yeah. Awesome. This has been great. This has uh, been the Everything That I Know podcast. And uh, now I know a little bit more about debt from Senor Verde. Yes, sir, you do. And how to avoid it. That's right. And how to get out of it. Debt snowball. It's coming. Snowballs. It's coming for you. Snowballs. <laughs> Build that frosty. Nice. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for watching the latest podcast. We sure appreciate all of your time and attention and everything that we're doing. We're going to bring you everything we know, every chance we get. Thanks again.